0: Welcome, thank you for joining us here on the Construction Leaders Podcast presented by CMA, where each episode will provide interviews with diverse perspectives, as well as trends that are affecting the construction and project management industry and beyond. On behalf of CMA, I'm your host, Nick Soto, alongside my colleague, Carly Trout. Welcome to episode 12. CMA has a multitude of committees that are charged with various responsibilities to help support organizations and aspects that benefit the construction management industry. From professional development and standards to advocacy in the board and the foundation, there are committees to support a bunch of different initiatives. On this episode, our season one finale, we have invited two guests from CMA's technology committee, Jarvis Aldridge of HNTB and Justin Jacobson of MBP. Thank you both for taking some time to speak with us today. So CMA's Technology Committee is charged with supporting the Professional Development Committee by identifying and prioritizing issues related to the current and emerging technologies used in the construction industry, as well as the needs for educational programs to keep members informed. When we asked the committee members, what is something the industry needs to be more aware of, Jarvis, you immediately mentioned wearable technology. So also on the show today, we invited Chief Growth Officer at Guard Hat, Doug Matthews. Now, hat is a solutions provider for wearable technologies, software, and devices. We appreciate you joining us here as well today, Doug. So Jarvis, tell us why you believe this is important and why construction professionals should be paying attention to wearable technologies.
1: First of all, Nick, thanks for having me. Well, I believe that wearable technologies is important because in the construction industry, we take great pride in our tools. You know, we're ever improving them. So as technology keeps progressing, we get more and more tools that we can use. And wearable technologies is one of those things. It provides a way for us to collect and track data without adding another task to the weary, you know, whoever's wearing it, uh, whether it be safety data, project data. However, you know, we're not adding more tasks for someone to do, which would add stress, uh, you know, which may take away from other important things to do on a construction site. Technology has advanced to a point where we have tools now that you can wear right on your PPE, right on your person, and you, we can collect this data, and it's it's a very useful tool.
2: And can we talk a little bit about the most common ways that this data is being used? Can you walk us through the most common applications and how the data is being gathered?
3: Sure, Carly. The clearest analog that I can make right now is is comparing how we gather site information and data currently to where we could go with this wearable technology. So currently, we have, generally speaking, someone on site making observations and writing information down, whether that be in a simple thing like a, a Word document or an Excel sheet or even on paper, all the way to sort of PMIS systems where we're entering in some sort of tabular structural data. Some form of observing, writing things down and what wearables allow us to do is change that paradigm from that personal interface that Jarvis was pointing out towards this automatic gathering of data. So there's a wide range of different types of data we can gather. We can gather personal data. How is this person feeling right now on site? How hot are they? How much exertion are they putting into their work? What type of safety hazards are they nearby? then onto locational data. Where is this person? What area of the of the job site are they in? How close are they to known hazards of the job site? What do we need to do to ensure that they're safe? And then there are other things that we can look forward to in the future, developing new and, and better ways to access the known data parameters that we have available to, to kind of do further analysis on what, what we're able to see is going on on a particular job site.
0: Okay, so Doug, that brings in Guard Hat. Guard Hat specializes in this. So tell us a little bit about what Guard Hat does and how they have utilized wearable technologies and some of the challenges that you're seeing with this kind of data and things that may be important to construction managers.
4: Sure. And thanks for letting me be part of this podcast here today. I appreciate that. So my name is Doug Matthews and and I'm the chief growth officer for Guard Hat. I I just want to go back a little bit to the the rationale of why is it needed? If you look at Bureau of Labor Statistics, 2019, probably the the last normal year we have available to us, there was 5,300 workers that died in the work site um, here in the U.S. And, And if you kind of break that down, it's 100 a week, it's 15 a day. Those are pretty compelling statistics when you think about it. And what I like to think, you know, when I think about the analogy in my personal life, I have technology in everything that I do, right? So it's the backup camera on your car. It's, you know, a variety of different technology that you've grown to become dependent on. But when you go out into the industrial work site, you tend to find that that technology is lagging, you know, with being deployed, you know, and so... Being able to pioneer the use of wearable devices so that you're able to collect data around what are the conditions the employees are facing, and how can you run in the background of rules-based applications that advise the employees on how to best mitigate risks and prevent potential bad outcomes. Um, that could be an incident that shuts down a job site, it could be a serious injury, it could be, you know, worse yet, even a fatality. So being able to take the various categories of devices, you know, location tracking, biometric data, collision avoidance type technologies, and being able to implement them into the workplace improves the workers experience at a time when I think you're seeing a lot of people that are coming into the construction industry that are maybe lack a lot of experience and and you're seeing a lot of new people, you know, show up that maybe don't have the experience to mitigate risks. So so now deploying technology, you know, and and helping them acclimate to the work environment to prevent injuries, you know, it's just a moral responsibility. It's the right thing to do. And ultimately it proves out to be better for your business as well.
0: Yeah, I think the risk and the safety are, are key aspects here. And I think that's what everybody in the industry is always talking about and trying to mitigate.
2: So we talked about the benefits of the use of wearable technologies, but let's talk about the challenges a little bit Justin, what have you seen and what do you think are maybe the biggest barriers that folks need to overcome when it comes to wearable technology?
3: Sure, Carly. I think the two most obvious big hurdles to cross are one organizational and and one personnel. So organizationally, we need to understand what the business case is. Why should I invest in this new technology Why is it going to make sense for my business to do something we're not used to doing? And and will I get the benefits out of it that are promised? And that's, I think, something we're here to try to work through right now together. But the other one is possibly bigger and more impactful, and that's at the worker level. You know, what are you trying to do to me? Why are you invading my privacy and trying to look over my shoulder every day? Why are you getting down into the, the very fine details of what's going on at a job? Why do I need to wear this? Why should I cooperate? I think that is one of the hurdles where it's really challenging to translate organizational benefits to the personal level. How do we convince the the individual worker that this is to their benefit? It's going to make their job safer. It's going to make their job better. And it's going to allow management to respond to conditions that are suboptimal for them to work in much more quickly. So I think those are the two big ones that I see right off the bat.
0: And Doug, we talk about having all these technologies added to the job site to make things safer and better. But ultimately, some of these job sites are in the middle of nowhere. Talk to me about connectivity and the challenges that people have and how this is not as big of a deal as some people may think it is when it comes to connectivity or ways that they can resolve that.
4: Yeah. So, so good question. Uh, when, I, when I think about the connectability, I mean, obviously, we talk about connected worker So connectability is really critical. So having the ability to to really be kind of agnostic as to what type of connectability um, you have access to, whether it be satellite technology, LTE, 3G, 4G with the onset of 5G, that should improve. Wi-Fi connectability is another critical option. When we think about equipping the industrial workers with wearable devices, we also try to put as much of the rules-based programming on the edge, right? So when you set up the devices where you issue them, you know, at the start of the workday, you know, you might put in particular known hazards that the employee may encounter through the course of the day and you download those onto the device itself. So as the employee is traversing the work site in one area, it might be good connectability in another area, maybe not so good. You're able to still provide risk mitigation on the edge in, in the case you do lose the connectability. This you know, sounds a really
0: like uh, you, what United tells me when I get on the airplane to make sure I've downloaded and updated the most current app to watch movies.
4: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like I said earlier, I mean, it's technology we live with every day in our lives, our personal lives, and now being able to adapt that technology for deployment, you know, out in the industrial work setting and construction sites.
2: Justin, going back to the privacy issue that you mentioned I was just curious, and Jarvis, I was going to ask you as well, if you run into any cases of this, what you've seen and how you overcome it, you know, how do you get folks on board and overcome that initial knee-jerk reaction of not wanting to use the technology because of privacy issues?
1: Justin, I'll, I'll jump in first. With our inspectors, you know, usually that's the first line of uh, of pushback that we get there is, you know, we want you to wear a camera all day. Uh, so, you know, they're like, well, I don't know about that. So usually the way I get them over that that initial hump is I show them examples of what it looks like and, and what it's used for whichever program we're using I ask them for something like that have you done a case study uh, do you have pre-recorded footage that you use for presentations do you have something that I can you know show my guys or you know my people in the field this is what it looks like this is what it's used for this is how we're going to use it you know and this is what it will be applied to and then I end with, this is how it will help you. You know, this is how at the end of the day you can't remember exactly what you saw at 9.15 a.m. when you just got out of your truck, just got going good on site. The camera never forgets, you know, the footage never forgets. So, you know, it's to help you do your day-to-day stuff. And it's the same thing with whatever data that it's collecting. We get to eliminate that fail point of human error with the tools. And it's not replacing you, it's, it's helping you go about your day-to-day duty.
3: Yeah, I agree, Jarvis. I think that's great that you all put that out there as a demonstration, and I'd like to just double down on that. The way we o- overcome this is to establish an environment of trust, and that's through communication. And so just like any other technology rollout, we don't want to roll it out to the entire workforce right off up, up front. We want to pilot it with a subset, and those are the people that are going to try it, and they're going to see how this information is used, and they'll be able to then turn around and talk to their coworkers and say, the company's not trying to monitor my breaks. They're they're not worried about when I step outside to smoke a cigarette or go use the restroom. What they're trying to do is be responsive to changes on the job site and make things better for us. And if we can get that environment of trust established, I think the concerns will start to evaporate. We do that through, as Jarvis mentioned, demonstrations and also pilot projects where we show them this is how the information is going to be used.
4: I concur with the statements that were made by Justin and Jarvis. It's about change management. Anytime you're changing some part of the work rhythm, you know, with the employees, being able to establish that core trust and what you're going to do with the information and how does it benefit them is really essential. There's so much effort that needs to be put in upfront to make sure that the employees are on board and they understand that the devices and the data that's being collected from the devices is going to be used in order to benefit their personal safety, I think you get a good response. And and we've seen that in deployments across broad industries where when management spends the time, builds that relationship and trust, the pilots are successful. When management just issues the devices a little bit vague as to what benefit it might provide, you you tend to have a, a more rocky pilot overall.
0: Yeah, a few months ago, we did a, a session at uh, our national conference on a different type of safety. And this is what it's all ringing a bell to me. This all kind of falls in line with what a different definition of safety is. It's not always, you know, you're you're not strapped on properly to some of the scaffolding. Uh, it's that, you know, there's health and other mental issues that need to be taken care of as well as physical conditions. So that is, uh, to, to me, makes a lot of sense. Yep.
1: And one good way to build those ambassadors that Justin hit on at each level is to, once you get going in the very beginning, show them, show them their part and how it was helping, you know, show them, you look, this is you walking through the site, you recorded this, you tracked this, this is what we presented to the client, this is what we show here, this is what we use for this, and you show them how they, by wearing the devices and doing their part, they did this, and that's how you build the ambassadors within because then they'll go on and say, hey, look, you know, that whole northeast side of the project, I have recorded that. Maybe if you were, you get that, we can put it together, compare notes. And you're, you're building those ambassadors at each level.
0: Let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsor, the Construction Manager Certification Institute.
2: Today's ANSI-accredited Certified Construction Manager brings professionalism to the project and provides leadership by unifying architects, general contractors, engineers, and facility managers to successfully complete the project. The CCM is familiar with the latest techniques and technologies of construction, from prefabrication to building information modeling. He or she thoroughly understands sustainable design and construction, how projects are financed, and how risks can be minimized and effectively shared. The Certified Construction Manager is a communicator, a facilitator, a problem solver, a professional leader. Certified Construction Managers have the proven knowledge and experience to deliver all these values for every project. Make the CCM part of your strategy for success. For
0: more information on the Certified Construction Manager, please visit cmcertification.org.
2: So we've talked a little bit about that people piece, but let's talk about the business piece and the results that you can get from using this technology. Justin, can you tell us some examples of specific things that can be improved on the job site because of this?
3: I'm coming to this discussion from our experience at MVP, and that is we we have an on-site construction management division of the company that really focused on exploring this wearables piece. But we've got another side of the company that is focused on building commissioning, and they're using continuous building commissioning technology right now that, that puts these devices out on mechanical equipment and gathers a continuous stream of data. And the benefit of that stream of data is it's very structured and it's very clean, So you don't have to do a lot of manipulation of this information. So if we analog that over to the construction management side, if we can get away from, as I mentioned before, that person out there writing down in their own words what's happening on site to something structured and able to analyze, we get a huge amount of benefit in different things that we're able to do. So we can do things like analyzing how well our actual implementation of labor productivity compares to our project schedule where are we actually working right now compared to where our schedule said we should be working and what is the difference? And we do that typically through project controls and through construction management oversight, but we do it in a very latent way. It takes days, weeks, months before we get this answer. With the technology, we can do that real time and we can make adjustments real time. So the big benefit is reducing the amount of time management takes to make decisions and corrective action. Do we have a safety problem? Well, it shouldn't take us two weeks to identify it and get an engineering fix out there. We should be able to identify it right now and send a team out there to address that particular safety problem today. We shouldn't have weeks and months worth of delays in productivity in order to identify a problem and start to talk through what the issues are. We can pull everyone together in the meeting, look at the real-time data and say, here's our problem right in front of us. What are we gonna do about it right now to fix this issue? So that's where I see the biggest benefit. It's just reducing the amount of time it takes to identify a problem and make a decision.
2: So Doug, where do you see this technology going in the future? What does the future construction job site look like? I feel like there are so many applications, anything really promising in the future that you're looking forward to or excited about?
4: Yeah, I think, you know, one, you know, you have a broad range of categories of devices that are emerging now. And so... You know, it might be a, a multitude of devices that might be required in order to mitigate multiple types of risks. So you're going to see convergence of form factors, you know, so where you have simplicity with a multifunction device that is consolidated with a lot of capabilities in order to collect various streams of data. So I think that's an evolution that will occur But I think first and foremost is to get the facility started using the basic form factors that are available today. When I sit back and I think about what is the business case, you know, having worked at United States Steel for 33 years as an executive, my responsibility was the safety and well-being of each worker that worked in the facility within my responsibility. And that's a moral responsibility. And I took that very seriously. So when you think about the other adjacent business factors that go into what is the business case, there is productivity. So, so when I think about discrete prevention or mitigation, that's kind of a, a, an incident with injury that might occur. But then the data that's being collected, to Justin's point, you know, there's a lot of asset data that's being tracked out and you're able to integrate the data collected by people and you're able to better understand the work activities and the time durations Real time, you know, and be able to do forensic analysis on how do you improve processes. I think it's just that it's uncharted territory. And I think that we're just barely touching on what the improvements that could be had based on that type of data being collected. And I think that you're going to see improved efficiencies, improved safety performance, reductions in costs, onboarding new employees and acclimation faster there's a whole host of business case benefits that I can anticipate that will cover over a relatively short period of time post deployment
3: yeah like Doug mentioned as we talked about before technology is everywhere in our everyday lives and these, these form factors we work with them now you know you've got smartphones and you've got smart watches and glasses and all sort of you know non-construction related items but I think companies like Doug's, have started to integrate that with PPE and that's really the easiest way to get it to the job site you know you've got the hard hat like Doug works with I've seen protective shoes with the integrated sensors we've seen vests with integrated pin-ons all manner of different PPE related wearables that are integrated so that it's not just one more thing that somebody has to add to their daily kit out it's just part of what they do every day but their gear on and go to work and we automatically start gathering the data but I have a question, and, and that is maybe the one piece that we have to work out from a workflow standpoint, and that's, you know, how do we get in a workflow of recharging these these wearables on a consistent basis so that we can make this as, as minimum impact as possible? I don't know, Doug, do you, do you have an answer for that one?
4: Yeah, I, I think, you know, what we're seeing is, you know, various Devices have various battery lives, you know, being able to extend the battery life. I mean, I carry a portable charger with my backpack because I know my iPhone, when I use it a lot in the course of a day, is going to need a midday recharge, right? You know, so being able to minimize the signal transmission so that you preserve as much battery as possible, but you provide the best protection. I think that's where a lot of the device manufacturers are really focused on making it so that it's least intrusive. And then obviously, you know, having the ability to have on-site charging capability. So as you rotate crews, that you're able to rotate devices and and have them pick up a, a fully charged device and be able to operate throughout the course of the shift is absolutely imperative.
0: Jarvis, what are your, some of the current problems that you think might be able to be solved by using this kind of sensor data? I know we talked about some safety and things like that, but we're, we're really ultimately building up to, and we, we've got a few minutes, so I don't want to get to that answer yet as the business case of why this is plausible, you know, because this is, this is starting to sound expensive, and we want to make sure that the problems that are being solved are what we really need to be looking at.
1: You know, it's a, it's a myriad of things, really. I would say site coordination would be one of the one of the chief things next to safety site coordination would be one of the chief things is you know how many times have we sat in a meeting and someone said hey we've got this issue on you know the east side of elevator three and everybody goes well where where exactly is that you know I I think I've walked by there I don't know exactly where that is well well, what's the issue oh it's up you know on on the the northwest corner of that that wall you know that big wall right there there you know and, and you you get to describing it we spend 10 minutes of everybody trying to give their best Sesame Street, you know, description of what we're talking about here, where if we had wearable technology, you know, the the person that brought it up could just, hey, look, you know, it's right here. Here you go. We've got that 360 camera that, you know, our inspectors or someone on site is wearing It's mounted to their hard hat or their shoulder or their chest, however, where we do it. And, you know, it's right there and you can see it over time. You know, we can show, hey, look, on Monday of last week, this is what it looked like. And you can see it progressed slowly Day by day, and you can show, hey, look, see you see the problem getting worse. You see it getting worse. We have a leak there. You see there, there's a bust up there somewhere. Somewhere there's a pipe that wasn't sealed correctly, or somewhere there's this, or something's getting through here, or this is what started the issue, you know, and we have a record of it. And you know, that cuts down everything. You know, instead of that meeting taking an hour and a half, that meeting took 30 minutes. We identified an issue, we were able to address it, everybody knows exactly where it is, and go take care of it. That saves. Time, time and construction is money. You know, there you go right there. And if the the issue is serious enough, it may become a safety hazard. We've prevented an incident or an accident on site. And these type of technologies assist with that. That may not be something that a person would have caught. Guys would have walked by that every single day, all day, carrying out their duties until someone had something specific to do in that area and said, oh, what's happening right here? That's definitely invaluable. Yeah. So these types of technologies help in so many ways. It really relies heavily on what exactly do you do on site? And then we can cater a response to that question specifically for you. And we can show you all the different ways and all the different technologies that can be tools in your toolbox for you and your workforce. And and I would just add to
4: that, and we've been talking a lot about safety related type use cases You know, the video streaming capability on wearable devices is readily available and you get into situations where you have inspectors, where you have maybe construction workers that are out on a job site that encounter a difficulty, a problem they didn't anticipate. Um, They're able to real-time stream back to a structural engineer to get over the shoulder immediate consultation on how to proceed as opposed to coming off the job site, calling somebody, somebody maybe commute time to go to the job site to go look firsthand, now you're just cutting all that out and you're able to real-time over-the-shoulder advise workers to how to proceed, you know, with the best way possible. So that's a, a productivity benefit, I think, that maybe goes undetected as far as kind of wearable devices, but it's uh, it's something that would impact a job over the, the total construction cycle, for sure.
0: Doug, I know this is going to put you on the spot and I'm not expecting a direct answer, but I'm going to do it anyways. As, you know, are we talking... Uh, Like I said, about cost here and thinking about the big picture, owners of projects are very particular about the cost of things and trying new technologies first. Obviously, this is going to be changing case-to-case project size, number of people on the site, how many people, how many contractors are there, how many people you want wearing this. So there's a variable here, but are we talking everyone needs an Apple Watch? You know, how much are we looking at spending here on getting this type of thing? And I know, you again, it's going to have a variable, but an idea of what this kind of investment may look like, Uh, because there sounds like there's an incredible amount of return on investment for safety purposes. And this is kind
4: of a broad answer, you know, because uh, I think it depends on how many risks that you're trying to mitigate and what types of devices and data streams you need in order to be able to create your application, you know, to advise your workers. Um, so on very basic kind of risk mitigation, basic tracking, maybe using GPS, you're talking you know, less than a dollar a day per worker, right? I mean, it's in the 50 cent range. If you're getting really sophisticated, you know, with data streaming and real time video streaming and things like that, obviously the, the connectability cost goes up a little bit in order to have that type of uh, features, you know, available at the job site. And it might go into a dollar plus a day you know, kind of scenario per user. And I think what we try to do is we try to work with the client to understand what is the core of what they're trying to solve and, and kind of make sure that we're recommending the right form factor that is the least cost, uh, least intrusive for the worker. And then ideally connect them you know, in the most efficient way possible and, and try to keep their cost
1: to a minimum. If I can piggyback on that i know of an example of a company you know they, they don't have a ton of employees but pretty much everybody in the company wore a smartwatch everyone no matter what the brand was they all had smartwatches. they had an issue where you know someone uh i can't remember if they fainted or lost consciousness or fatigue stroke can't remember exactly what it was but had to go to the hospital and, you know it wasn't monitored you know stuff like that and these The company, you know, the type of work that they do, they don't spend a ton of time in the field, but they do have requirements where, you know, may have to go to the field for a day or two and then come back. So someone in the company looked up an app and the app, it linked directly to the smart watches that you already wear. And all it did was take general health information and give an update on, hey, is this person okay? Basically, it's just, you know, general okay. And you know, the employee, you have to consent to it because they are taking personal data from your your wearable device and everything like that. But they did it and they had, I believe everyone except for one employee uh, committed to it and they did it. And uh, they were able to do checks on people and the person was traveling really fast and they stopped hard. And were you in an accident? Someone could give a call and check in. Hey, did you get in a car accident in the work vehicle? Are you okay? They said, no, just hit traffic, you know, so on and so forth. And they found that it was very helpful. And the cost to them was a $20 a month subscription to pay for the app. It was unlimited users, it was 20 bucks a month. And it was a way for that company to have, you know, a real good idea of are our people safe when they go out in the field.
2: We just have a couple of minutes left and you can each have an opportunity to answer this last question, but, you know, continuing to talk about the business case for this and how folks can get started if they're interested in using some of these applications, any final thoughts for folks or recommendations that you have when people are really trying to kick off one of these new technologies or go to their supervisor and ask for funding for some of these things, you know, any final thoughts on that?
3: I'd just um, like to point out some of the benefits. We we say time is money, but I don't think we think through it as an industry very well. An extra day on the job site is going to cost an extra day of GCs for, for most people. But what we don't see is the cumulative impact of all that, those little bit of lost time. As Doug pointed out, we are in the infancy of this. So there's a huge horizon of potential that we could possibly see out there of benefits of this. You now, if we can start using this tool to, first of all, Eliminate lost work days, eliminate injuries, eliminate deaths. It's very difficult to even calculate the magnitude of that particular savings. You know, a lost life is, is a project failure you know, in most of our accounts. But beyond that, can we eliminate rework? Can we eliminate the cycle of completing the work, inspecting it, rejecting it, carrying the work back out, you know discussing how it needs to be done properly and putting the work back in and reinspecting it? Huge time savings there and eliminating a, a big chunk of that time cycle. And if you add up all that cumulative, put it together and say, you know, are our workers in the place where they should be working in sequence for the schedule to complete this on time? You're going to get project savings across your entire workforce. So what is the potential business benefit of being able to do one more project per year if we add all that time savings together? You know, that's a, a huge impact to the bottom line for construction companies when you start putting all these small savings together.
1: Jarvis, did you want to add to that? Uh, Justin took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> it, uh, uh, it just goes back to the to the meeting example I gave. You know, you lose 10 minutes on each meeting, everyone trying to figure out where an issue is. If you do that times three meetings a day, times five days a week, times 365 days a year, you know, just like Justin said, you add it all up, you could have done a whole nother project. So there you go. Yeah.
0: You're talking about little bits of time, but what about that big time where somebody had a, a accident that you were able to save their life because the wearable technology notified them. now you've saved a worker from being out long term on the project as well. So, Doug, anything else you wanted to add to that?
4: Yeah, I, I think, you know, Justin Jarvis nailed it pretty well. We've kind of touched on it as we've gone through this discussion today. I think, you know, one, it's a moral responsibility to protect the safety and health of each worker. And I think everybody buys into that. I think, two. if you look at the implications of when an incident with injury serious incident with injury occurs on the worksite, you know, oftentimes those worksites get shut down. And sometimes there's regulatory inspections that come in and help you uh, analyze, you know, your worksite, which can lead to a lot of, a lot of other difficulties as well. But I think, you know, Justin nailed it when he said it's the small things, it's the reworks and the day-to-day, where are your employees, are they in the work location that they're supposed to be, where are they spending the majority of their day. And being able to deploy this technology and collect this information, I think would be eye-opening for construction teams around being able to, to shave time off of time critical paths. And really focus on critical work that drives the timeline for the completion of the construction project. And I think there's a lot of anticipation as to what the potential is. And I, I think you know most companies. I would just recommend do a pilot. Um, just you know reach out. You know uh, you know companies like Guard Hat are available, and we would be able to come in and understand what your challenges are, make recommendations on how to take those next steps, and and then try the technology. Give it a good honest effort to try to see how you can best benefit from it and and realize the benefits overall.
0: Yeah, I know there's a, a lot of hesitancy in the construction management industry to take on the liability of safety, but this just seems like one other way to mitigate those kinds of concerns. So Doug, I want to thank you again for taking the time to join us today and providing us with great details on these ways that the technologies can help the industry improve safety and performance.
4: Where can our listeners find more
0: information about Guard Hat?
4: Yeah, so we're available on guardhat.com. There's a a little section you can fill out and uh, it'll send an email to our marketing team and uh, we'll reach out and and make uh, initial contacts with you.
0: Great. We look forward to hearing more from GuardHat in the future. Justin, Jarvis, we uh, always enjoy speaking with you and look forward to talking more in the future. I know the committee is working hard and on a new guideline for CMAA that will be released in early 2023 on the management of technology and construction projects. So we look forward to seeing the release of that publication as well. That wraps up season one of the Construction Leaders podcast. I feel like we're just scratching the surface of topics that our listeners want to hear about. We'll be back next season with a ton of new subject matter experts to discuss what is impacting the construction industry the most. Make sure to download or subscribe to the podcast and follow us on social media at CMA underscore HQ. Don't forget to leave us a review with your thoughts on today's episode and let us know what you'd like to hear on upcoming podcasts. On behalf of CMA, I'm Nick Soto with Carly Trout. Thank you for listening.